Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. This is episode 93 on a 1990 album by Sadis from Antioch, California, Swallowed in Black. We'll explain that in a little bit. Welcome, Hunter. Always my amazing co-host. How are you doing? I am well. Happy to be here. Good to hear your voice. Yours too. We should note that um, we're listening to this very, very intense album in the morning. Technically, this is morning. Your your mornings start earlier than mine, but nevertheless, this is the AM. <laughs> still, yeah, we're we're still in the AM. Yeah, we're we're, we're drinking coffee. <laughs> so yeah, and, and it's funny because this morning, I and this will happen often. I'll, I'll wake up with a rush tune in my head. It just it's it's our life. You know what I mean? You were listening to Green Metal Ishi, uh by Judas Priest on the excellent Hellbent for Leather album. So you know, this is what this is what happens in our mornings: Rush and Judas Priest and Sadus. But um. I, I woke it up with Spear of Radio in my head, and I realized that the first line could be paraphrased for this episode. Begin the day with an unfriendly voice, a companion obtrusive. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a, an unfriendly and obtrusive album. Oh, that's awesome, dude. intrusive <laughs> you think Not yeah just just about the most intense metal anyone will ever hear i think the the first two sadist records you know they're not a death metal band but most death metal bands pale in uh in intensity um relative to early sadists it's why they could always move within death metal circles i mean i think they were embraced more by the death metal folks than thrash if there was a division Often there wasn't a division, but it, when where there was, I think sadists were more embraced by deaf people because the intensity was there, that whole spirit was there. Whereas thrash uh, was, for the most part, by by 1990, even 88, was getting more technical, uh, more sophisticated. So yeah. yeah, naturally they were, they would often be called death thrash and and had a foot in each scene, which you know, fine with us. Who cares? Yeah, especially uh, if you think about the the kind of elegance and finesse of a lot of the san francisco area bands yes yeah, sadists are definitely at odds with that 
no ballads on Swallowed in Black. <laughs> well, no ballads on Out for Blood, but that's still a shit album. But we'll we talk, talk about that one later. But yes, you make an excellent point. Uh, this is Sadist. We're dealing with, I wouldn't even say single-minded, but of course there's this thread of purpose through the whole discography. And certainly these early albums that they're they're kind of going for one thing. The reason I think you and I like Sadist so much and other people love them so much is because there were these hints these little niches within their songs that were interesting. They were like really interesting choices, great, either great playing, uh, great writing, unpredictable things, ambushes. Steve DiGiorgio, the bassist, is a huge part of that. Certainly we can hear it in black there and we'll hear it throughout the rest of the album. Uh, this is one of his very best albums, I think. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so they're just, uh, they're the band, they're a band of details, despite the single-minded purpose of, of just fucking you up completely. <laughs> So this was released in September of 1990. Um, so still pretty early on that cusp of like way, way intense music. I mean, of course, Incubus, Serpent Temptation had come out. Um, Demolition Dark, Hammer. Demolition Hammer. Dark Angel were out, of course. But, you know, Sadists were right on that crest and just delivering. I want to note it was recorded in May or June of that year. So I'm always interested in when things are recorded because I'm like, okay, well, that puts a lot of the compositions probably at like the end of 89. So we even get further back into the genesis of this album. And I guess we need to explain <laughs> the circumstances behind this episode, don't we? <laughs> um, this is not, if we were ever going to take apart a Sadist album, which we'd never even considered as much as we love them, it would either be Illusions or A Vision of Misery. I don't think I would have thought of Swallowed in Black in there. What about you? Would you have I, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't think illusions either. Um I, I think we would have done vision. Okay. I think okay. that that falls uh, within the radical research wheelhouse um more um despite the fact that I like the first two more than that. But yeah, but please please continue because these are these are certainly uh, uncommon circumstances. Well yet yet again we agree because yeah, we've talked about vision and misery. We both like it. I can't say we both love 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 it to the uh, point that I we have problems with it. The point that we do a track by track, whereas Illusions, also my favorite. Uh, I like it even more than Swallowed in Black. In fact, Swallowed in Black is my favorite. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I put Illusions on a crazy high pedestal, but that's just... that's. I love point. it. I love it to death, but um, we, we'll, we'll get into why we prefer one. Sure. So why Swallowed in Black? Yeah, it's curious. It's curious for us uh, because if, as of a few months ago, we wouldn't have done it. But um, I released a book on Fate's Warning called Destination Onward. You can buy that at fateswarningbook.com. And <laughs> of all people that ordered it, a Philip von Segeboden from Sweden ordered it. And I looked at that name and I was like, I know my afflicted lineups, right? <laughs> that that guy, that guy was the bassist. Has to be the same Philip because that's an interesting name to come from Sweden, I think. So I think I wrote a little note with it or, or I might have emailed them because there was an email on the order. And I said, hey, are you Philip from Afflicted? I said, I'm, I'm sending your book, man. And through that, he got into radical research. He didn't know about it, but he, I think he saw we had the face warning episode up, or I think I probably, I, actually, I think I might've told him we did an afflicted one. So he listened and he got way into it. And like John Cobbett from Hammers, man, I, I we love these people dearly because they've, they're, they're now listening to every episode they can get their ears around, which just makes us so happy, you know? Um, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and just yeah, humbled too. 
Yeah. Humbled. And, and Philip has become a really good email friend. I hope to break bread with the man someday. Both of us do. But he was uh, not only in Afflicted, who we worship, but he was a principal in Cranium, which kind of gives this away and gets us into Sadus because that was always, Cranium was this fun band, you know, that worshiped at the altar of Viking, Creator, and Exumer. Like if I had to really boil it down. Yeah. Uh, and he was also in Defender, which was this more power, I don't want to call it power metal, epic metal, yeah, um, just... Yeah, traditional epic metal stuff, clearly influenced by Man of War and Brokus Helm and all that stuff. And so, yeah, we're already fast friends just from a distance. And uh, he's proven a great friend and a great radical research listener. And he's he's also been sending us suggestions on on shows he'd like to see, you know, as, as a lot of our listeners do. And um, he mentions Sadus Swallowing Black track by track, which I thought was the most bizarre and weirdly progressive idea. Like that's because it just wouldn't have occurred to us, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so Philip, this one is for you. We're going to listen to bits from Man Infestation and the entirety of Last Abide, which lasts uh, a full, what, two minutes and 13 seconds? I think. <laughs> two minutes and 13 agonizing seconds. Yeah. All, all right. Chug some coffee. Here we go.
Oh boy. Um, Man Infestation and Last Abide. It, it's kind of like this little mini suite of anti-human, anti, and and anti-social. <laughs> well, very anti. I mean, say this is anti-social at its very core. Uh, but these kind of focus in on man's ruin of the planet, which, of course, a popular subject in metal always. And Manifestation and Last Abide, they do this so well. Uh, some great lyrics. Maybe now would be the proper time to talk about uh, the band's lyrical themes. Well, as, yes. As, uh, yeah, as enumerated by the wonderful Metal Archives. So according to Metal Archives, Sadus's lyrical themes include death. Check. Environmental. We just spoke of that. Pollution. Absolutely check. And finally, killing posers. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, their 1986 demo was called Death to Posers, DTP. So, sure, throw it in. Throw it it, I mean, yeah, if we're going to talk about misanthropy, I think that it is important that we, you know, place a priority on the the killing and extermination of posers. Right. It's not so much the politicians at that point for sadists. No, it was more, yeah. it was more about these people at shows that would wear like Henry Rocks t-shirts or something. I don't know what they considered a poser. Uh, who knows? Not to bust on Henry Rocks either, but. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's funny is sadists always seem like super open-minded guys. Uh, Dude, Steve DiGiorgio's, um, I, and you know what? This is just bad planning on my part. Um, I will um, I will send you the list and we can post it on the website. But in 1994, Sterling McFadden um, sort of wasn't Metal Maniacs exactly, but it it was basically uh, scripted by all the Maniacs writers at the time, did this history of heavy metal. It was like 25 year anniversary or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And uh, a number of Metal Maniacs writers and also some prominent metal musicians submitted their 10 favorite or 10 uh, all-time favorite metal albums. And DiGiorgio um, was polled. And I mean, his taste was extremely eclectic, developed, um, sophisticated. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, they are. And I mean, you think, you know, about, you know, some of the other things that DiGiorgio has done over time i mean the guys clearly uh yeah like um you know one of us yeah i can't claim to know the other guys but again le but let's reiterate death to posers 1986 i guess in 86 these guys are all young all just full of testosterone and metal and pot and whatever else they're into the thing about posers dying was in the air people people wanted posers dead in 1986 probably more than any other year in metal Thanks much to Manowar, but also this sort of like increasing tension between uh, what I used to just call glam metal. I do not use the term H-A-I-R metal. I refuse. You've always been very principled about that. I, I am. And I stand by those principles. It's um, it's just it's just stupid. It's not even. It's well, not other, even... other metal bands have hair. Exactly. And it wasn't called hair metal back then either. So um so there was this uh, polarizing between glam metal and just the heavier metal that was coming out, whether it was traditional or early thrash or, you know, proto-death by 85, 86. So look, <laughs> I think Metal Archives is right by adding Killing Posers to the list, although it's a short list because I think it's really only one song, but it, I guess it deserves to be there. <laughs> um, what, moving on, how do you like drummer John Allen, brother? I mean, that, oh, that, no, that, I, I'm a big John Allen fan, period. And John Allen, uh, his performance, 
really encapsulates everything that I love about Swallowed in Black so much. Mm. It's, it's the combination of deadliness and precision. And you know, a lot of detractors of technical metal of various sorts will cite the genre's cleanliness. For me, the precision of the tack makes it even deadlier. Mm, 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 mm. And, okay. man, and and I tell you, on Man Infestation there, I mean, his uh, uh, drumming is unimpeachable. I mean, that double kick stuff, this is well before Beat Detective or Pro Tool Splicing or any of that shit. And he is on top of it. You know, it's great, too. And, and, and this actually moves into the thing I wanted to get to next before we play a couple more songs is... Um, the production on this album it lends itself well to de giorgio and john allen because mm. as you say the, this is pre-trigger i i doubt click track <laughs> i doubt all of that i can't it's, it, you, it's can an, hear, you can hear over the course of this album like when they really really dig in you can hear the tempo pick up a bit oh yeah uh, yeah and so yeah but that's awesome that just makes it even more exciting i would so, never yeah on an album like this and by a band like this i would never count that as anything but a positive because to me it just shows like oh they're getting even they're, they're feeling it even more and they're just exactly. racing to the end because this is what this music is about oh. um but, but here's the thing with this album it, it has always been a grower for me i was disappointed when it came out because i had already known illusions and um loved it so much and i still do that this the production kind of nagged at me for a little while. I've gotten over it and, I, and I'm now praising the production publicly here with you. I like it for a lot of reasons, but it's just that natural thing, right? Where John Allen's naturalness comes out. Like there's just no, it's bare bones and you could hear it crystal clear. My problem with it then and still today, the only problem I still have with it, with it is it's just still a, a bit thin on the guitar tone, but I, I, I'm afraid that that thinness helps what i like about the album it does which is the rhythm section coming out more yeah. right yeah. they pop it, more it, yeah it, it clears a little bit of space for the uh yeah the, the giorgio allen exactly so i've come around to it and I, I just love it to death we should mention michael rosen this is a guy that produced the album he's generally was based in oakland at skyline studios so this this album was recorded and mixed at fantasy studios in berkeley it's a curious production, and I look at the other things he's done. He did Death Angel's Frog Through the Park, which is a bit of a meteor thing, but still very natural sounding. It's a really nice sounding record. I love I love how that album sounds. Flotsam and Jetsam's When the Storm Comes Down. I think he's, he's only engineer on that, and that's a terrible sounding album. I, I guess he's a little bit at fault for the engineering on that. Better um, than the cover. Way better than the cover. <laughs> and Alex Perialis has to be condemned for that sound as well. Because I think that's a much better album than most people give it. And I, I, but I can't stand the production either. And nobody likes that production. Here's an interesting it one. Twisted. Okay. Yep. Michael. Yeah, you got it. And Michael Rosen <laughs> worked on Twisted Into Form by Forbidden, which is a, a really good sounding album. Really punchy, meaty, full, rounded. Everything's perfect about that sound, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a lot to say about that album, I'm sure, which we might do in another episode sometime. Yeah. But um, he also, um, Vicious Rumors. Vicious Rumors, a couple albums by them. Yep. Uh, he did a Testament hey, album. He did. Yeah, he did. let's yeah. see. Um, he did Souls and um, he engineered Practice What You Preach. Souls of Black. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and I, I Practice What You Preach is another really good sounding album. Um, I like and then that album. Probably, probably, you know, our collective favorite thing that he's done would be um, Savor the Flavor by The Organization. <laughs> Timeless <laughs> album. That, that, there'll be an episode on that one at some point. Nah, 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 nah. 
<laughs> the radical research comedy corner. You know um, what? I can I can I can make fun of that album all I damn well please because I bought that thing because of Eula fucking Garrett. I <laughs> to pick with Eula, it'll be that. Uh, he'll he'll tell so anyway. I, I I can say what I please. <laughs> Fair enough. We were all wanting the organization to be much better than it was. <laughs> Coming off of Act Three, you know, right? Great album. And and I just got to say, my thing with weak guitar tones, I, I'm really sensitive to it because two of my other favorite thrash albums have really weak guitar tones that I wish were better. Which is Nuclear Assault's Game Over. I still will listen to that album anytime, anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'll just deal with the guitar tone. But I think it's a really lousy sound. Beyond the Gates by Possessed is another terrible guitar weird, tone. Weird, weird sounding thing. I like it now, just because with the the, the caliber of that material. The yeah. weird weirdness is always invited, so it works for me, but I've had to work at that and get over that. And then the other one, who I can't remember who produced this, but Whiplash's Ticket to Mayhem. Ooh. Fucking great album, but what a shit guitar sound, man. Yeah. Atlanta also, is burning. Also shit cover. The Burning of Atlanta makes all of that better, though, because that song is like... That's that's an epic. Oh, man. That is an underrated thrash classic. <laughs> Atlanta is burning now. I know. I mean, yeah. um, and you, hey, you love know it. What? I would be fine with Atlanta burning down. <laughs> I'm just gonna say you're a Georgia boy. shit city. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We need more music. Uh, this is the wake. The last two minutes of the wake, which is really fantastic. And then we're gonna go into the entire, the entirety of in your face. It, it lasts exactly one full minute. I love how they weren't afraid to do the super short songs. What I love about this one minute though is the solo section is some really great Darren Travis. Rob Moore insanity.
take us out of that but i also want to mention that uh i just realized that the last two shows we've done this one and last crack road racer road runner rc that whole family okay good times all right so we just heard last two minutes from the wake very sophisticated stuff going on there while we were listening jeff mentioned echoes of testament so again see a band that's kind of straddling two worlds um and and certainly capable of um, the nuance that Thrash had taken on by that point, but also uh, based on a little tune called In Your Face, also <laughs> capable of uh, decapitating you. And, and I think it's fair to say that whenever you hear Sadist pause, you know that like what happens next is not going to be good for you. <laughs> Dude, I love, I love, it's funny. Cause as you're talking there, I was thinking about the beginning, which kind of lulls you, you know, it's, yeah. it's, ha- it's hateful. It's hateful, but it's just, it's, it's, it's not really that intense. And when Sadis isn't intense, it's, it's remarkable. Uh, and then there is that, then there is that pause and it just shit explodes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they just, it, the yeah, the gloves are off. It's great. You're so right about the sadist pause. So totally. um, I was, I remember talking to Paul Masvidal from Cynic about um, silence and music once. I had never really thought about, I think I'd thought about it in a more subliminal way in the back of my, my gray matter, but he brought to the fore how silence is just as important in, in music as any other uh, element of sound and, and audio and because of pauses, because of the ability to sort of, create something by not really doing anything that's true as a drummer and you know you don't play in a band where the drums sit out too much as a drummer you probably know that like if you hang back that changes the complexion of a a composition completely absolutely if you're not doing anything for five seconds 15 seconds you know but yeah the sadist pod nice one man this next song is called good riddance this is um the only regrettable song title in the batch i think it's good and then ridden riddance is actually riddens r-i-d apostrophe n-z so despite the really why what's that why i I, well i don't know uh maybe maybe they were sitting around really still and they couldn't remember how to spell riddens although they seem smarter it's fine man just the uh, riddens (laughs) Riddens. we'll do it Uh, phonetically (laughs) so uh despite that this is um there's megadethy moments dark angel moments there's a there's a great bass vibe that um, reminds me of cliff burton Mm. just fantastic despite the crap song title but here we go Turn around. 
this is one of I was going to say you know a, one a longer piece. It's not really that long, especially compared to Arise. We'll play later, um, but it, it it packs a lot of variety into the song, and it also is placed, I think, very strategically dead in the middle of the record. Mm. Um, so probably just about the time that you're exhausted, they give you a little pause, and uh, and also evidence even more their instrumental accomplishments because yeah. playing is again I, I hate to you know belabor the point but for music this ferocious really i mean these guys bring a lot of skill to the table and i think you're underscoring it here because it is very obvious in good in good riddance just how poignant of a part of their sound that this is their their abilities right they're not show-offy but there's certainly adepts uh yep. with with this type of music I also think you get whiffs of contemporaries of that time, and I'll I'll throw in Holy Terror there because because Holy Terror we're we're, we're a remarkably intense band, of course Dark Angels here as I mentioned earlier, and I hear early Atheist as well. I think they're definitely hmm. um, straddling a similar line, and and also we talk about ability four guys who who can bring it. Man, Satis had all four guys. Yeah, no, they're fi- they're firing. Yeah. There are no weak links in the chain at all. Right, exactly. We should also mention that they, of their contemporaries, they were buddies with Autopsy and Hex. Autopsy, obviously, need no explaining, or <laughs> we don't we don't need to introduce them to anyone. I, I hope I hope we don't. I hope not. Hex was interesting because they started as this traditional metal band on Shrapnel label, uh, put out two pretty good records, especially the second one. Oh, under um, the belt, killer. Yeah, yeah. And then um, had this transition into really different, more technical death thrash. And we love the Morbid Reality album, the Watery Graves single, uh, what's the Quest for Sanity EP. But of any band out there at the time that did a similar thing to Sadist, I would almost say Hex in yeah. that, in that yeah, thrash era. Yeah, definitely like Morbid Reality. Um, yeah. In yeah. fact, I could see us doing a Morbid Reality episode. Oh, so it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah make perfect sense maybe we'll do that in the evening and smoke uh four ob's um before <laughs> we do it i gotta explain this this is one of my favorite sort of metal stories what are four ob's it, it was either coined by sadist or autopsy I, I think it was probably sadist although they smoked much with autopsy no doubt um do you know what that means no okay there was that ob tampon i believe it may still be out there i don't buy them so um I don't know, but there was a tampon by the name of OB. That was just the name of the the, the brand. They would roll these joints to be very tampon looking in size. <laughs> so roll or smoke four OBs became their their thing. And you see that on the uh, the liner notes of some of the albums or uh, maybe the runout grooves. I you know it just became a, a thing in Sadis and Autopsy world. Smoke four OBs. <laughs> so I love the relation of a joint to a tampon. And I love that these joints were that big. <laughs> and uh, yeah, oh, man. It, it's an interesting thing. And the name, sadist. Now, this is funny. I, I always considered it like to be playing on the word sadism, sadistic. You know what I mean? It's actually from Dune, Frank Herbert's Dune. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah. I mean, I only knew it because of, uh, I've never read Dune. I only knew it because of the Metal Archives. What's weird is I've read it twice. I read it once before I knew of Sadus. This is like, uh, I think I actually was, I was getting into science fiction when Peace of Mind by Iron Maiden came out and To Tame a Land is on there. And that mm. instantly got me interested in Dune. So I read the first Dune book. 
And then um, I reread it maybe 15 years ago. And I, I just don't remember SAD US being in there. If I did, I just didn't process it as the band, but you think I would have, right? Right. Um, so anyway, I was a little surprised to read that on Metal Archives, but um, there you go. Let's move on to what would be considered side two of the vinyl. Let's do another two. I think these work well as pairs. This is False Incarnation. I, I kind of liken this to a kind of a creator-like maze. Mm. Um, and then images. We're going to play the final two minutes in images. And uh, well, <laughs> there'll be plenty to talk about on that one. So let's go. False Incarnation and images. Drop the axe 
I think I hear, and I don't think I've heard this before, but sort of isolating it the way we do with our snippets, I think about 15 to 20 seconds from the end of that snippet of images there, I hear DiGiorgio doing a couple bass chords that I would call piggy chords. Mm. There's something that comes in, which is, you know, something we always, you know, there's a lot of guitarists that will use what we call piggy chords and we'll, we'll identify and go, oh, that's, that's a piggy chord. I've never heard it on bass, but I, he just does this thing where it's just that my mind immediately went to that fractured, awkward, you know. Weird, diminished. Yeah, sort of, sure. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it just proves what a creative bassist he is. And one thing we haven't talked about yet, the show that we have to, is Darren Travis's voice. I mean, it's just so spiteful. Uh, he's he's basically having a tantrum, and the kind of tantrum that's not childlike, the kind of tantrum that you'd be like walking backwards real quickly away from. Right. Um, I just yeah, you love... Want, you don't want to wind up in the post office with that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or anywhere in this, or, yeah, or, yeah. In this day and age. But yeah, he uh, he's he's amazing. He's this is um, when he's on, which I I consider the first two albums. He's just one of my favorite metal vocalists. Mm -hmm. Period. Uh, yeah. Just just love him. Yeah, and I mean we we are moving. It you know the I love two bands that know how to arrange an album. Mm. And I feel like this album is is arranged very very masterfully or sequ mm -hmm. sequ sequenced masterfully, I should say. But yeah, I mean we're moving into some like genuine. Not sort of tech, but I mean, really tech thrash, early tech death kind of territory. And th that's fitting because around this time is when Steve DiGiorgio was beginning to work with Chuck Schulner and Death, along with Sean Reinert and Paul Masvidal yep. on Landmark Human album. Yep. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, it was in the air at this point. Tech's reign, <laughs> if we're going to call it that. Uh, was I think at its beginning of the really important moments, and um, yeah, Sadus was right in there, but they never, of course, were went full on atheist. Uh, I think we always wanted that for them, and I think a vision of misery was supposed to be that, uh, or at least. And I think mind. that's one of the reasons that I have such not such I shouldn't say that, but that I have reservations and disappointments with Vision because it, it seems to me like a kind of a, a compromised record in some way. I just, I wanted them to go so much further than they did. And, and, and not only that, but there's a kind of stiffness to that album that I, I've always found off-putting. Yeah. I, 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 the album we didn't get after right after it, you know, you could see a, a vision of misery being the transitional one, but it just sort of ended that first era as I consider it because they didn't have an album for another five years. And when, it, when they did, they took a little bit of a turn stylistically uh, where you wouldn't even expect it in 1997 from Elements of Anger. You know, it just, right. it wasn't it wasn't content on delivering what we thought a vision of misery was. But who knows, man, who knows what was in their heads? I mean, and a lot of people do consider that uh, their greatest. So, yeah. uh, hey, man, hey man, I'll, I'll take I it. Wouldn't, I, I mean, I, I, look, I, I wouldn't... Uh, you wouldn't kick it out of the I wouldn't begrudge player. anyone who, who's, who would consider that their best work. Not at all. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Any the first three, fair game. I completely agree with you about the sequencing this album because um, it just to me, if it doesn't get better and better, it just it has a sense of build and climax and adding things rather than taking away as it moves on. Powers of Hate. This verse always struck me as being in kind of an awkward meter, a little bit sepultura somewhere between schizophrenia and the beneath era. Um, and then a song called Arise. And I swear to God, I'm not saying this because of the title, but oddly, I'm reminded a little bit more of Sepultura here. 
and, and even some amoebics vibes, which if, listen to this and tell me if my mind is playing tricks on me. But well, I, and Sepultura were hugely influenced by amoebics. So and I think Sadis and Sepultura, you know, yeah. being companions and, and sort of like coming up at the same time doing uh, similar enough things. Uh, I think you're, I wanted you're, to mention one thing that I, I failed to do, if if you'll uh, if you'll allow me, sir. I shall. Um, I shall indulge in in false incarnation. Um, it's kind of like loping sixteenth note guitar riff with the double kicks mirroring the the riff that reminds me so much of a riff on Merciless's abject offerings. I think it's in Without Christ, but I can't be certain of that. But I never really noticed it until we listened to it this time. Well, that's what's funny about pulling out snippets and listening to it the way we do, because we don't yeah. normally hear these songs in this kind of microscopic viewpoint. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. I, I like your train spotting, sir. I like it quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on okay. to two powers of hate and arise. Thank 
that is a voice obtrusive, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed, it is. <laughs> yeah, he's he's particularly irked about something. <laughs> um, irked. <laughs> Darren irked Travis. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, there you go. I yeah, what can we say? We did catch the amoebics riff. It's just it, it's it's comes twice in that snippet. It's like kind of where they go down to a half time or mid-pace thing. Yeah. The lead over it, not at all amoebics, but I just hear that marching the kind of chug that they had. So and I guess with the tightness of it, I hear amoebics sort of through the prism of Sepultura, like you mentioned. And it's weird that this is called the rise. It's almost like yeah, it you know, I mean it's pre-Sepultura the yeah. rise. Yeah. But uh, Mebix, of course, famously had a, a thing called The Rise as well. So anyway. Some, yeah, the first album. Yeah, some great stuff there. Is there any reason to mention the last two albums? Mentioned a little bit Elements of Anger, which was an album that I liked and reviewed well in Maniacs when it came out. You did. Um, hey, we have one more um, song to play. Oh, I know. I know. Or, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. It's, it's all part of my plan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We did. I, um, I, I remember... Um, yeah, it was in. I think it was in the um, issue with Black Sa the Black Sabbath reunion. Well, you would know. I don't. I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> it might have been, been, been in the um, the Six Feet Under issue too. It, yeah, oh. it could have been either one of those. Yeah, it was around that time, sure. And um, it was on Mascot Records, and it um, it doesn't sound as good to me as when it came out. I think I was just hungry for more Sadis, and it's not bad. I, I think it. I think it's interesting where the metal archives reviews really reflect it pretty well. I think there's about three or four reviews on this album on, let me look metal archives. Yeah. Um, it gets about a 69, 70%. And that's about right. It's good, but not great. And you can tell there's, um, there's something of a lack to it, although it has some ambition and then boy, uh, nine years, nine, you know, where I'm going now, nine years later, they apparently uh, were asked to write a wrestling metal album by somebody and uh, came out came came out with a thing called Out for Blood, which is fifty five mostly intolerable minutes uh, of mid paced stripping away uh, everything great about um, Sadis for just pure groove and aggression, and it just um, you know we're we're a ways out from nineteen ninety and two thousand six. Lots happened in music. Uh, I don't bemoan them wanting to change that's fine but i mean you got you got songs called sick here here's a here's a couple the last six songs in this album are one word titles and here we go sick down freedom down. hold on freedom i know freak cursed which is eight minutes long and crazy <laughs> the, the last song is called crazy and like not to judge a book by its cover or its song title, but man, it just sort of says everything about this album. I hope the guys, if they're listening at all, it, any one of them, because we'll often get musicians listening to uh, their show. And uh, I just want to say, we love you. <laughs> we, we, uh, we worship the, the ground you stand upon, but we just not into this album. Interestingly, did you ever hear Out for Blood? I don't think you did. No, I've never heard it. Okay, and I got that mixed up earlier. We were I, I was talking to you about Massacre's Promise uh, when I was. I've also never heard. Yeah, that's a that's another story that listeners won't understand what we're saying. But we had a private conversation about a week ago uh, that went from Out for Blood by Sadist to Massacre's Promise. So uh, clearly, we like wasting our time on albums we don't like by bands we love. 
anyway, um, in 2022, and this is news to me, this is news to me as of like today, November 18th, 2022, Satis in the guise of John Allen and Darren Travis released a single called It's the Sickness. And it came out on Nuclear Blast digitally. I don't know anything about this. I don't have high hopes, but yeah, I don't uh, think they might be down with the sickness. Yeah, maybe it's a continuation of sick from Out for Blood. You're right. Part two. Yeah. It's the downness will be next. Um anyway. Hey, as long as you got freedom, man. As long as you got freedom, you know, I'm crazy about freedom. Um, oh, yeah, love that shit. I'm a freak for it. Yeah, man. So let's move on. Before we end this episode, thanks for listening. Please reach out to us. Uh, you can find us on radicalresearch.org, where we host all of our episodes, of course, and a store that features Canva Solera CDs, Hunter's Deserts of Hex magazine, uh, my book, Soul on Fire, the Peter Steele biography, and Destination Onward, the Fate's Warning book. Our PayPal ID for all donations, which we appreciate very much, even five bucks, 10 bucks, if you enjoy this show as much as you, you say you do. Uh, we need help with hosting costs and other overhead expenses. Um, we'd like you to spend five bucks. It's it's uh, worth, a, worth a cup of coffee, I think. So that's radicalresearchpodcast at gmail.com. That's our contact address as well as our PayPal ID. So check check the store out. Check that out. Think about it. Uh, next episode, Hunter, like the previous two episodes on Atheist and Last Crack, I feel like this is one we also should have gotten to in the first 10 episodes of this venture. Uh, Definitely. Yeah, we just somehow haven't made it until now because we you know, we have people like Philip requesting insane ideas like going through Swallowed and Black track by track. So it's going to be on Psychotic Waltz. Total passion of ours. What would you like to say about that? Just as a, as a, the elevator yeah, speech, am, the elevator speech on your love for Psychotic Waltz. Oh, man. Um, magical metal. Metal, to me, is almost hard to put into words. However, that could be a problem since the uh, purpose of the show is to put uh, my feelings about metal into words. <laughs> um, so I'm going to uh, try to figure out how to articulate that over the next couple of weeks. Um, they are they're, they're really a, a, a band without a, a, a really hard single peer. They're a progressive metal band that bucks the expectations of all progressive metal bands. I, I mean, just right, genuinely, if you don't know them, we are going to probably blow your mind. Yeah, I, I guess I guess the entry fee would be early Fate's Warring, maybe a second, third, and fourth albums. But you're right, because it, even that, they're different, such different yeah, bands. It, but I do feel like people into that that don't know Psychotic would probably want to listen to this um, um and if you like i don't know maybe the second and third queen's rock records might help I, 70s progressive rock i certainly think yeah, jethro, definitely that um jethro tall and, and some others come come to mind um it's it's yeah they're special i can't wait to do this one with you man we're going to do a, a full discography review uh, and try to get try to get some oslan demo in there as well so I guess we're making sure to clean up everything before we hit the 100 mark, the long promised epic episode on Voivod that'll, uh, that we're already starting to, to uh, work on. I guess, as they say in the land of radio, stay tuned. This is Satis and the closer of Swallowed in Black, Oracle of Admission. Uh, the only thing I want to say before we check out is just note the crescendo of just pure hatred in the final two minutes, mixing with the virtuosity we've been proclaiming this whole time as well. Anything you want to say about it? No, let the let the music do the talking. You always say that. Do I? Yeah. But have I that's, said that before? 
That's why we're here. Yeah, <laughs> you say that every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's your trademark. Dude, it's going to be now. There's, I, will there's... Never, I will never end an episode a different way now. 